0: Why do we count people? I've been thinking about that. Why do we count people? I mean, there are lots of counting going on in the world. Um, you maybe, as if you're a sales rep, you're counting about how many people you've been in contact with, how many sales you've made. You go to a sporting event. What, are they, what happens in like the third period of a hockey game? They tell you the attendance, right, for that game. Um, governments take census so that they can report on all sorts of data and track population levels and, and be able to provide funding in the, in the most effective ways. Municipalities track the number of people that drive by intersections. Did you realize and this is the st- stats and study before the Franklin Bridge went out that there's 29,000 people that drive by this corner of Franklin and Holiday End Drive every day. Isn't that amazing? Like, we have such an opportunity. God gave us this property to be used for his glory and to, to attract people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, we count how many friends we have on social media. How many times people like our, our posts, right? We're tracking that. Well, in the Bible, there are numerous instances where people were counted, Some were just an ego boost, like King David. He took a census just to see how many people he'd govern. Or Caesar Augustus uh, took a census forcing Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem to be counted. We read about that in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Other instances of of counted people in the Bible occur when armies were being compared, usually showing, okay, the enemy army um, has a lot more people than God's, God's people so that they were outnumbered so that God alone would get credit for the victory. We read about that in Judges 7 with Gideon. We read about it in the book of uh, Joshua, chapter 7, chapter 8. And by the way, ladies, if you're not involved in um, a Bible study, we really encourage you to join the Tuesday morning study on the book of Joshua. I really like the teacher a lot. I'm married to her. So um, I'd encourage you to to come out to that. Numbers are important. Numbers are important. I recall a statement I heard Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church in California, say that's really stuck with me. He says this We count people because people count. People count. In other words, counting people is less about attendance records or or hitting certain goals, but recognizing that behind each number is an individual that matters deeply to God and should matter to us as well. People so matter to God that he sent his son Jesus to die for for, for them on a cruel cross, to die for you and for me. And that's why we count people. Might be wondering, well, why did Jesus have to die? Because people rebelled against God from the beginning of time. And yet God had a plan of redemption for them. He wanted to buy them back. That's what we're saying about. That he redeems. He restores us. And that brings much hope. We actually read about this. In the uh, book of Ezra, if you have your Bibles here today, I encourage you to turn to Ezra chapter 2. And we find this truth of redemption in Ezra 2. You can look this up. You just Google it if you want. Ezra, E-Z-R-A, Ezra chapter 2. And I got to tell you, Ezra might be one of those passages that we might be tempted to skip. Um, you know, when we're when reading the Bible every day. By the way, how are you doing with your Bible reading? Are you reading it every day? I challenged you first Sunday of the year. If you can read God's word every day, it doesn't have to be long, this will change your life. This will radically change your life. But you might have got to that part in the Bible where you're like, oh man, there's just a list of long names and I don't understand their names, who they are. I can't read them. I can't pronounce them. I'm going to skip this. And maybe you've kind of got sidetracked. Well, it might be difficult to get through those long genealogies Genealogies, but I dare say that we should not gloss over passages like Ezra 2. Why? Because all scripture is God breathed. All scripture is God breathed, and it's proper for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training up in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for good works. This means Ezra 2, which we're going to read in just a moment, is there to it's been It's been given to us by God, God breathed into it, and it's been there to either correct us or rebuke us or to encourage us and to train us up in righteousness um, to equip us and or all those things and so let's read Ezra chapter two verses one verse one, and then through sixty four through seventy I'm not going to read the whole passage because I'll just tell you like it's a very long passage, and I would just butcher all the names. Okay, like I've taken Hebrew a little bit, but these are very difficult names. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read verse one. I'm not going to read all the names right now. I'll get to them in a few minutes. But Ezra chapter one, or chapter chapter two, verse one, and then I'm going to skip all the way down to um, verse sixty-four. Now these were the people of the province who came up of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried captive to Babylonia. And they returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. Then there's a list of really hard names. We could just call them Baba or Rebel One. That's what one pastor does down in Florida. And then we go down to verse 64. The whole assembly together was... 42,360, besides their male and female servants, of whom there was 7,337, and they had 200 male and female singers, their horses were 736, their mules are 245, their camels were 435, and their donkeys were 6,720. They really loved donkeys. I guess that was the means of transportation back, right, from, from uh, Babylon. Then in verse 68, it says, Some of the heads of families, when they came to the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem, made freewill offerings for the house of God to erect it on its site. And according to their ability, they gave to the treasury of the work 61,000 derricks of gold, 5,000 minas of silver, and 100 priestly garments. Now the priests, the Levites, and some of the people, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants lived in their towns, and all the rest of Israel in their towns. Before you sit down, we try to memorize uh, one verse um, a month, and we've been working all all January on this verse. Now you had two extra weeks, because I was in Africa. So you should be up here trying to say this, So I will do my best, but let's say it all together. Let's read it all together. Ezra 1-2, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Okay, let's say it again. Ezra 1-2, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem which is in Judah okay let's do without looking Ezra 1 2 thus says Cyrus king of Persia the Lord the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem which is in Judah okay you did pretty good okay you may be seated and i just think it's amazing that god would take this king who does not believe in god at least originally he didn't believe in god and he he tells king cyrus okay to to give money to his people and to send them back from being in slavery to the land that they were promised the land of judah that's just utterly amazing Well, it's utterly amazing also that God gives us a sense of belonging. And I love this statement by Derek Kidner, explaining the partial reason why the Jews kept a careful record of the families returning from exile in Babylon, which you can find throughout Ezra 2. Here's what it says. The Jews' tenacious memory of places and relationship, still strong after two generations in exile, showed a fine refusal to be robbed of either their past or their future. Uh, Can you imagine that last part? I love that last part. Showed a fine refusal to be robbed of either their past or their future. Is that true of you? Have you got a refusal, a fine refusal, a great refusal to be robbed of your past or your future? All the good things that God's given you from the past and a godly heritage, and you still have that future look? That brings great hope. Look at how meticulous the Bible records the names of each family and how many were in each family in Ezra 2, 1 through 60. I'm just going to read a few of them. Um, I'm going to start in verse 2 of Ezra 2. They came with Zerubbabel. That's the um, main leader of the Israelites. Jeshua, which was the high priest at the time. Nehemiah, a contemporary who actually wrote the book of Nehemiah in the Bible. Zerariah, Realah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Milspar, Bigfei, Rehum, and Banna. And then I'm not going to read anymore because then I get stuck. Okay, I'll, go, I'll read some more later. But you see all the names and how many people were coming back per family. It's a principle that we find in God's people of old that they tracked the number of people who were with them. And it's a principle that we still practice here in our church, here at Temple. We take attendance here at our services at our next chapter classes, and hopefully soon under small groups, kids are checked in. I mean, I just had to go check my kid in right, right uh, during, during one of the songs. It's why we ask you to connect through our Breeze app and fill out the, require, uh, the required government mandated um, privacy statement waiver. It's why we published a photo directory, so you, you're not just attending Mass and performing some kind of ritual, absence of community. No, you are in a community. You have a sense of belonging. And Why do we do all this? Because of the, simply this. We care about you. We really care about you. You can't just go missing without us noticing. You matter to us. This week, our elders are going to be meeting. We're going to be talking about all the people that we haven't seen. We're going to, be, we're going to be, you know, if we haven't seen somebody for a few weeks, we call them. We go to visit them. And, and we matter to us. You matter to us not in a creepy big brother way, but because you are family. Do you realize that? You have a family here. You are a brother or sister in Christ. Now, we know we can get better at this, at caring for one another. It's always something we're growing on growing in but it's our attempt to count you because you count i've seen around the world that the best practices of churches are those that track people uh, a week ago laurie luke and i um witnessed a church being born literally a church being born it was amazing again i can't i can't wait to share all what god's been doing uh, through us like it was it was on it was like learning on steroids about all the amazing things god's doing but um we were in Benin, west africa and a a local church there performed a drama explaining the gospel and many received christ at the end of the presentation and each person who came forward to receive christ was asked their name and we see this in the pictures of first of all children receiving christ look at all the kids receiving christ and then the next picture of um of all the adults of raising their hand and wanting to receive Christ. They had just received water a few days earlier. They finally had clean water to drink. And then we share about the living water that only Jesus can give. It was just amazing. And then that drama team, they surrounded the, the people who had, who had come forward to receive Christ. And they were, they were like a wall of prayer for them. And then afterwards, they took every name that came forward to receive Christ. And what will happen is, this past week, that local church is contacting everyone who received Christ. They went and visited them in their their village and in their huts. And that that drama team uh, has has handed it off to a a local church to do the follow-up and discipleship. The evangelistic group showed the Jesus film as well, and another invitation was given. And so they, in order to make sure that people did not double up on names, they cross-referenced the names of those that received Christ at the, at the uh, uh, drama presentation as well as the Jesus film. And so here's what's really neat. It's already happened today, but last week people received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This week a church has been planted, and there was a service there today. It already happened because they're six six hours ahead. But isn't that amazing? And you you got to be a part of that through your prayers. Isn't that great? (laughs) Counting people with the intentionality of of caring and discipling them is, is critical to a healthy and growing church. It shows that we belong. And that's why you just can't just slink off or, or come back without us having a loving conversation with you. You belong. It's a part of our core values. Maybe you have forgot our core values or haven't heard them recently, but it's really to love God, connect with each other, and serve the community. I'll say it again. Love God, connect with each other, and serve the community. And in the case of the Israelites, this sense of belonging was critical to the purity of the nation, and it caused a spirit of generosity. I'll say that again and make it more personal for us. A sense of belonging will be critical to our purity and cause a spirit of generosity and service. At the end of this service, I'm actually going to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just like the Africans who received Christ. Maybe you want to talk to us, one of us pastors, about uh, getting baptized. Maybe you want to join our church and become a member Uh, You need this sense of belonging to stay pure, to stay generous, to keep serving. Well, after after we look at the verses uh, 2 through 34, and I I, I didn't read all of them, but all the families from Babylon who returned, we read about um, this next section. Here's what I want to focus on, the priests and Levites who've returned Pay attention to uh, specifically verses 36 through 42. And we read here about the priest. So first of all, we chat, uh, verses 2 through 35 is really listing all the families. And then we get to the priest. And it says this. The priest, the sons of Jedediah, the house of Jeshua, 973. The sons of Imr, 1052. The sons of Pasher, 1,247, and the sons of Harim, 1,017. The Levites, and the sons of Joshua and Cadmiel, the sons of Hodaviah, 74, the seniors, the sons of Asaph, 128. The sons of the gatekeepers, the sons of Shalom, the sons of Ater, the sons of Talmon, the sons of Akub, the sons of Hatita, and the sons of Shobai, in all, 139. Now, did you notice anything as I was reading those numbers? They might just kind of like numbers being thrown at you. But to put this in context and put it kind of modern art in our day, what Ezra's doing here is he's recording, if this is a church, he's recording all of the choir members, he's recording the worship team members, he's recording the frontline ministry staff, the greeters, the ushers, all those people. But do you notice the difference between the numbers of the priest and the Levites. The priest and the Levites. That might not be significant, but it, it is, because the, the Levites are far outnumbered than the priest. Whereas before the captivity, the Levites far outnumbered the priest. The priests were specialized. The Levites were temple assistants. And so what's, what's being brought back to uh, the people that are coming back from Babylon are, are mostly, as far as, as those who work in the temple, are mostly priests. There's not enough Levites. There's not enough servants. And so there's a small amount of Levites who return in comparison with the other priests. This evidence is a problem that the returning exiles were, were too, if I could put it this way, staff-led to use our modern-day equivalent. They needed many more temple assistants and servants. And here at our church, temple, we just added staff, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, this past year we we've added um, uh, Pastor Jason and Pastor Dan and 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 Tara, and um, these people are phenomenal. But what their job is to encourage and equip you to do the work of ministry. So we need more people serving on worship teams. Maybe you play an instrument and have never told us before. You just want to keep it secret. You talk to Pastor Jason afterwards. Uh, Maybe singing isn't your strength, but you have a smiley face, you know? You're happy. You're actually happy that Jesus saved you. That's all you need, right? You talk to Pastor Jason. Love for you to be on frontline ministry. Maybe you'd like to help out in your children's ministry, Pastor Dan. Maybe there's some other area of ministry. Some of you came to me during the services, between the services, and and uh, wanted to talk to me about how to serve. We want you to get involved. When you have a sense of belonging, it will be critical to your purity, your generosity, and your service. We've already talked about service, but I want to just hammer home this point. You belong to God and to us. You are family. We love you. And all the good and all the bad, we love you. Service is critical to the sense of belonging. I've seen this so many times. When you're on the sidelines, you are more critical. When you are are not serving, you don't feel as a part of the church family. So get in the game. Some of you may say, well, I've done my part a long time ago. Well, come back and do other people's part. Be a part of what God is doing even in the least known roles. Look, look what we see in verses 43 through 54. There's a record of the temple servants. Here's what it says in verse um, 43 through 54. The temple servants, the sons of Zihai, the sons of Heshufah, Hash, the sons of Tabioth. And then he continues to list them all, all the way through, and we see that that these are the list of family members who are part of the temple servants. Now, the temple servants were like the lowest class of the temple personnel. We don't have low, low, we don't have class systems at temple. Everybody has a role to play. In fact, the greatest in our church are the ones that are not very visible. For example, did you know that we have a group of ladies who go and visit those other ladies who can't make it out to church did you know we have that we have a visitation team um this visitation is doing vital work can you imagine if you could never get out to church that would be devastating and so this visitation team brings the church to them and i just want to say like thank you on behalf of our whole church thank you ladies for going and visiting those who are shut in like praise god like thank you i just thank you very much for that We have many ministries who are kind of unknown or behind the scenes, and they serve. It's wonderful. There's also, I notice in this passage, look at verses 55 through 57. You're going to see something that at first is, uh, is peculiar. It says, The sons of Solomon's servants, verse 55 the sons of Sotai, the sons of Hashereth, the sons of Peruda, the sons of Jela, the sons of Darkan, the sons of Gido, the sons of Shaphatiah, the sons of Hittil, the sons of Pokhareth Hazabim, and the sons of Emi. Um, okay, so, okay, wow, there's all these names linked back to Solomon's servants. That's amazing because Solomon lived nearly 500 years before this list has been created. And so Can you imagine for five centuries they've been keeping track of who belongs to this family, who belongs to Solomon's um, servants. And they did this without computers. It's it's just amazing. I'm a third generation pastor. One of my prayers is that all my descendants would love and serve God. And this passage of tracking all of Solomon's servants emphasizes the value of ministry longevity and faithfulness. I want my kids, they don't have to be pastors if they're not called, but I want them to love and serve God. Apparently Solomon's servants were faithful to God despite serving many kings who were not. They served many kings who did not follow God. In fact, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, these kings. And yet Solomon's servants remained faithful, a faithful remnant. The lesson is that no matter what others do, you should continue to serve God and leave a godly legacy. So a sense of belonging will lead to service, but it will also lead to purity. Look at verses 61 and 62. And also of the sons of the priests, the sons of Habei, the sons of Hakoz, then the sons of Barsele, who had taken a wife from the daughters of Barsele, the Gileadite, and was called by their name. These sought the registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but they were not found there, and so they are excluded from the priesthood as unclean. This is significant. Derek Kidner explains, Barcelli was the name that considered considerable weight. Its bearer had had been a staunch supporter of David and a man of wealth, according to 2 Samuel 19.32. So Barsili, there's this guy who had given King David bread when he needed it most. Barsili was a patron. He cared about others. And he used his money for doing good. But down through the century, something was lost. His family forgot to keep a careful record of their legacy, of their ancestry. See, there was no ancestry DNA back then that you could use, Right? You just had to rely on these careful records. And so Barcelli's descendants were not careful with their legacy. Sure they can remember Grandpa Barcelli who had given money to King David, but they couldn't prove it themselves that they belonged to Barcelli. They were considered unclean and excluded from the priesthood. Now that may seem harsh, but leadership requires purity in God's family. And this is probably why God was silent Notice what verse 63 says. The governor told them that they were not to partake of the most holy food until there should be a priest to consult the Urim and Thummim. You might say, well, what's the Urim and Thummim? Well, it was a breastplate that the the high priest wore, the priest wore, that communicated God's desires. You can see it. It's like had little stones on this breastplate. And, and it was to communicate, you know, I'm not sure exactly how, and I'm not sure we know exactly how it worked, but they, they were able to communicate, this is what God's saying. And so what really is saying throughout this, that heaven seemed to seem fall, fallen silent through the present case, but God would speak to them again. God really cared about the purity of his people, starting with its leaders. And so the principle was that the benefits of leadership would be delayed until purity was restored. They waited to take action until they could make sure that Barsili's descendants were really of this godly priesthood, this line of priest. It's an important reminder that we must continue to value what has been handed down to us. See, let me get it, bring it home down for us. Maybe you had godly grandparents. Maybe you had like a a grandmother, a grandfather. Maybe you had grandparents who who brought you to church, who who caused in you um, a desire to know these stories, and you, they read the Bible to you, and they prayed with you, and they brought you to church, and they tried to serve Christ. They weren't perfect, but they they loved God. And you've been neglecting that legacy. You haven't been reading your your scriptures as much. You haven't been praying. Today is a fresh start to reclaim that gaudy legacy and to commit yourself again to regular church attendance, daily Bible reading and prayer and to serve with and in the local church and in our community. It's a call to action. It's a call to service. It's a call to generosity. It's a call to purity. Back to Ezra 2, we find that the sense of belonging, which was critical to service and purity, also resulted in generosity. Look what we read in verses 68 and 69. Some of the heads of families, when they came to Jerusalem with the Lord that is in Jerusalem, made freewill offerings for the house of God to erect it on its site. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury of the work 61,000 derricks of gold, 5,000 minas of silver, and 100 priestly garments. Now, if you look in the margins of your Bible, you might even be able to figure out what a derrick and how much a a minna is. A derrick was a coin, in my margin says, weighing about one quarter ounce. And a minna was one and one quarter pounds, or 0.6 of a kilogram. So listen to this. According to Thursday's gold prices here in Canada, that means... That in today's terms, this was $26.6 million worth of gold and $1.48 million in silver. Now that was a generous amount, wasn't it? As Derek Kidner remarks, "Free will offerings are a sign of health in any enterprise. It's not forced, but it's like, I'm just so thankful for what Jesus has done. I have gratitude to what I can give to his work. When we were in Africa... And I gotta say, in a lot of ways, they're healthier than we are. We watched every single person come up front and give an offering to the Lord. It was pretty amazing. In fact, they had two offerings. Two offerings each Sunday. We're not going to take two offerings. But God, God is uh, is causing in people who have little to say, I want to give much. Maybe that's where you find yourself. And that's what's happened. These, these were exiles, remember, coming back from Babylon, and they had this much money, and they gave it to the Lord. However, what cannot be lost on us is uh, not, not generosity, and it's not purity, and it's not even service. What, can, what can, cannot be lost on us is what the ultimate goal of a sense of belonging is. The sense of belonging in the story in Ezra 2 was about a community that needed to remain faithful to God so that someday there would be a son that was born. And this son would give a permanent sense of belonging to God, but not just a sense of belonging to God for Israel, but for all peoples, Gentiles alike, for you and for me. See, the returning exiles were preparing a way for Jesus through their serving, through their purity, and through their generosity. And this is still true for us today. Jesus is coming back. Do you believe that? We want more and more people to experience a sense of belonging so that when Jesus comes back for a second time, they will know this Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So, are you serving? Are you pure? Are you generous? Today is an opportunity to recommit yourself to God and His people and to experience a forever sense of belonging. The most difficult day that we had in Africa was the day that we visited the slave road in Benin. They have have rebuilt this awful place where... Millions of slaves were sent off for 400 years. It was very sobering. When you see a few shells, a few seashells, that people traded for human lives, one human life. Reminds me of a man that was born in that time. He was born to actually a very godly mother who taught him the ways of God. But his father, like the Israelites of old who had many fathers who did not follow God, this man's father was very much against God. And so it actually caused in this young man a real struggle with his sense of belonging. In fact, he read... He, he wrote this in his journal, and I'll read it to you. He says, I am persuaded that my father loved me, but he seemed not willing that I should know it. I was with him in a state of fear, and listen to this, bondage. His sternness broke and overawed my spirit. This lack of a sense of belonging caused in this man to run away from God and to do very wicked things. He lived a very debauched life, a very impure life a very wicked life, a very immoral life. And after being enslaved for two years himself in Sierra Leone, West Africa, he was released and eventually he became a ship captain. But not just a regular captain of any ship, but a captain of a slave trading ship. And through those years when he was captain of that ship, he did many wicked things to those slaves. Half of the slaves died on those ships, 50%. And finally, though, he got very sick. And God grabbed hold of his heart, and he repented. And he wrote one of the most famous hymns that you and I have ever sung. Who am I talking about? john newton see a lack of a sense of belonging led to impurity and a lack of service and so that instead of being a servant he wanted to be served instead of living a pure life he wanted to grab all he can and objectified women and instead of being generous he was trying to get all the money even at the expense of human lives but then he met the son that these exiles were brought back from Babylon to create as almost like an incubator. And that's the name of that son is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was who John Newton met. And Jesus Christ is the one that you and I can meet. We can turn from our impurity and our lack of generosity, our lack of service, and turn to Him once again. I'm going to call our worship team up for prayer, but maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today can be the day of salvation for you. You talk to, uh, to myself or one of our pastors. We would love to talk to you further. Maybe you need to talk to one of our pastors about getting baptized or becoming a church member. We'd love to have that conversation with you. But for all of us here I hope today out of a list of names that we can't even pronounce, that we can't even hardly read, you can see that God really cares about people. And there should be a sense of belonging and that care should be something that is very contagious for those around us, with our neighbors, our fellow students, those in the marketplace, our coworkers. God's calling us to this sense of belonging. Let's close in prayer. Oh, God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his amazing grace. We pray, God, that, Lord, that we would, we would have an understanding today of what you've paid, your son has paid. He did not come to be served, but to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. What a contrast to the slaves brought back from Babylon. What a contrast to the slaves and our histories, Lord. We've been in bondage to impurity, to stinginess, to a lack of service. And Lord, today I pray that the people be released from that, be redeemed from it. And that, Lord, that they would actually find your Savior, your Son, Jesus. And we just pray this all in his name. God's people said, Amen.